this is Jean welcoming you to the 2,358th edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline 14th of September, 2023. The readers this week are myself, Jean, Allison, Mel, with Dem on the controls. Editing and production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is a country rock polka composed by Pat Prilly, Ferdinand Bouillon, and Harry Brewer. It is per- performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning the 18th, the sunrise time is 0639 and the sunset time is 1908. We also have some special notices from Enfield Home Library Service and Enfield Vision. Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability, or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you, and there is no charge. The home library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service, who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sorts of things you like to read, and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CD and large print titles. There is also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you get to grips with borrowing ebooks or audiobooks from the library to read, to listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservices.org.uk or call Shauna Tevan on 07826-511094. That's 07826 511094. Next from Enfield Vision, we are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organization with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday each month from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Park Avenue Resource Center, Bush Hill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday, the 21st of September, 2023. Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023. Thursday, the 16th of November, 2023. For further information, please contact us on 0208-373-6260 
or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. That's telephone 020-8373-6260. And there's a note from Enfield Vision regarding the October drop-in. On Thursday, the 19th of October, Enfield Vision is holding a focus day at Community House, 3114 Street, N9, OPZ, from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. This means there will be no drop-in morning on Thursday, 19th of October, at the Park Avenue Center that I just told you was going to be there. So... No Thursday, the 19th of October at Park Avenue. It's going to be held in 3114 Street. Okay. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane DeJersey on 07899 854-582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Allison will read the lead story. Our first story comes from the Enfield Dispatch online and is dated on the 11th of September. Chase Farm Hospital announces the return of urgent treatment centres late opening hours. Enfield North MP welcomes longer hours for vital health service in the borough. Chase Farm Hospital will be restoring the normal opening for its urgent treatment centre, UTC, after over a year of reduced hours caused by staffing shortages. The Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust, which runs the hospital in Gordon Hill, announced on its website that patients would soon be able to attend the UTC between 8am and 10pm daily, instead of closing its doors at 8.30pm, as it's been doing so since last July. The reintroduction of later opening hours will be staggered from the 25th of September, with the 10pm closing time coming into effect from the 16th of October. Enfield North MP Ferriel Clark has campaigned for the restoration of the full opening hours and has now welcomed the announcement from Royal Free. She said, Since I was elected in 2019, the survival and access to Chase Farm Urgent Treatment Centre has been at the top of my agenda. I have visited Chase Farm and seen firsthand the amazing work that the staff do there. It is a great community asset. However, I have repeatedly raised my concerns regarding the reduced opening hours. Residents need to be able to access the care they need. This has been a hard-fought and long campaign, but I am extremely pleased to announce that Chase Farm UTC will reopen to its full capacity on Monday 16th of October. Everyone deserves access to the right health care where they need it most, and I will continue to fight for the people of Enfield North to ensure they do so. The UTC 
allows patients to get an assessment for non-life-threatening medical issues without needing to book an appointment and can be used even if they are not registered with a local GP. Examples of issues that can be dealt with at Chase Farm UTC include sprains, strains, broken bones, minor burns and scalds, minor head and eye injuries, bites and sting, and minor illnesses. Ferriel argues that Enfield already has huge issues with access to GP services, as well as the ongoing pressure for A&E services at North Middlesex University Hospital, which is why the UTC at Chase Farm is vital for residents. And now our next story is also taken from the Enfield Dispatch, dated 14th of September 2023. Consultations launched on two new proposed LTNs in the borough. Enfield Council has launched two early public consultations on proposed low-traffic neighbourhoods, LTNs, in different parts of the borough. The new LTNs, dubbed Quieter Neighbourhoods by the Council, are being planned for Bowes East and Edmonton Green. The first would encompass seven streets in an area to the east of Green Lanes and south of the North Circular, not far from the existing Bowes Primary Area LTN the Council installed in 2020 and made permanent last year. The second LTN proposal is for a large area of Edmonton Green to the east of 4th Street and north of the North Circular, including more than 50 residential streets in total. LTNs typically involve a combination of measures to limit through traffic on residential streets, such as enforcement cameras, bollards and plant boxes restricting access for motor vehicles to local traffic only. Cyclists, scooters and mopeds are usually still permitted to pass through LTNs. No detailed plans for the two new Enfield LTNs have been published, with views only being sought from residents at this stage on how current traffic levels impact their lives and what type of measures they would like to see to restrict motor vehicle movements in the area. In its consultation pages on the two proposals launched this week, the Council states, Over the last few years, Enfield Council has taken action to redesign many of our streets, introducing new pedestrian crossings, segregated cycle lanes, school streets and cycle parking, alongside other initiatives such as cycle training and free bike repairs. Quieter neighbourhoods form part of this comprehensive approach that the council is taking to reduce the speeds and volume of motor vehicles in the area and create an attractive and safe environment for people to travel by active and sustainable modes, such as walking and cycling. The long-term benefits we hope to see include improvements in people's health, less congestion and safer roads and improved air quality. The Quieter Neighbourhood Initiative considers the introduction of features such as modal filters, one-way streets, school streets and cycle parking. The last two LTNs introduced in Enfield in summer 2020, the Bowes Primary Area area, and Fox Lane Quieter Neighbourhoods, 
polarised opinion between people who welcomed the restriction of traffic in their streets and those who argued that LTNs worsened problems by shifting traffic onto surrounding roads and increasing journey times. After those two LTNs were introduced for a trial period, they were made permanent in early 2022, when council reports claimed they were a success, with traffic reduced inside the LTN areas, despite most consultation respondents submitting negative views on them. The council was later forced to correct some of the data used in its report on the Fox Lane LTN, although it said this would not alter the decision made to make it permanent. A High Court judge also last year rejected a legal challenge brought by a local resident against the same scheme while agreeing there were several deficiencies in the council's consultation. The council now says Edmonton Green has been chosen for a proposed LTN because the area has poor air quality compared with other areas in Enfield poor health and deprivation indicators that could be improved with active travel, two schools within the area, amenities in the area that could be accessed using active travel, high numbers of collisions for vehicles, pedestrians and people on bikes, and a high population density, which would benefit from the improvements. Similarly, the Bose East LTN was chosen because the area has poor air quality compared with the other areas in Enfield, poor health and deprivation indicators that could be improved with active travel, two schools within the area and limited areas of open space. A series of engagement events, including webinars and drop-in sessions, are now planned by the council over the next few weeks. For more information on the Bose Easy East Quieter Neighbourhood, visit letstalk.enfield.gov.uk forward slash Bose East QN. And for more information on the Edmonton Green quieter neighbourhood, visit letstalk.enfield.gov.uk forward slash Edmonton Green QN. The next is a letter to the editor of the Enfield Independent entitled RNIB Support. When I was a youngster growing up in Essex, I was sports mad. I was about eight when I was playing football when another and went down to... May I start again? When I was about eight, when I was playing football, went down to head the ball, and another lad went up with his foot and basically knocked me out. It detached my retina, and I lost the sight in one eye. Earlier this year, I was lucky enough to appear on ITV2's show Winter Love Island, and I was able to talk about how sight loss has affected me more publicly. This resulted in me becoming an ambassador for the Royal National Institute of Blind People, which offers amazing support to people across the UK with sight loss. The RNIB is often there for people at a critical time when they are diagnosed. One of the ways it reaches out and brings people with sight loss together is through its dedicated radio station, RNIB Connect Radio. The station turns 20 this year, and I'm delighted to say I have been asked to guest edit a day of special programs broadcasting on Wednesday the 20th of September. 
I'll be talking about life after Love Island, how I carried, play, carried on playing sport after sight loss, the difficulties of holding down a job, and how I try to manage the crazy world of social media. The reason I want to take part is to let more people know how RNIB Connect Radio and the brilliant work it does. The station started in 2003 as a tiny online broadcaster, but now reaches over 90,000 listeners, and its podcasts are downloaded over 20,000 times each month. Its DJs, who all have sight loss, broadcast a huge range of programs alongside an eclectic mix of music, quizzes, and news. These include shows on the latest technology that can assist people with sight loss and the latest talking books that can be downloaded from RNIB's library. They highlight vital support services like RNIB's counseling, talk and support groups, and eye care liaison officers who are massive support to thousands of patients attending eye clinics each year. The station covers key campaign issues like getting accessible information in written form, the potential closure of train station ticket offices, and the low rates of employment for people with sight loss. In short, RNIB Radio Connect is a friend to thousands of listeners with sight loss and can reach many more. So please help spread the word and tune in for a special month of anniversary programs throughout September and get to know how RNIB Connect Radio. RNIB Connect Radio can be heard on 101 FM in the Glasgow area and elsewhere on Freeview 730 and online as www.rnib.org.uk slash connect hyphen radio. That's from Ron Hall, the RNIB ambassador. No rack found at North Mid during concrete inspection. This story is again taken from the Enfield Dispatch online. Edmonton Hospital moves to reassure patients amid nationwide building safety scandal, reports Simon Allen, local democracy reporter. An inspection of North Middlesex University Hospital's main site did not identify a type of concrete prone to collapse in any of the buildings. The NHS Trust that runs the hospital says reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete RAC, R-A-A-C, was not found during a review undertaken to establish whether the material was present in the floor or roof construction. It added that all the inspected buildings appear to be structurally sound. Earlier this month, the government ordered more than 100 schools to close off areas containing RAC that do not have safety measures in place, sparking a nationwide alert. The material, a lightweight form of concrete with a lifespan of around 30 years, was used in the construction of roofs, floors and walls in schools and other public buildings between 1950 and the mid-1990s. 
The National Audit Office previously revealed that 41 hospitals contain the material, including seven that were built with the concrete throughout. North Middlesex University Hospital, NHS Trust, said, We commissioned an external contractor in June 2023 to conduct a review of our estate, including whether rack existed in either the floor or roof construction of the buildings at Stirling Way. From the visual inspection and existing structural record drawings review, all the buildings inspected appear to be structurally sound and no rack construction was identified whatsoever. Earlier this year, community services in Enfield transferred to North Mid from a neighbouring trust. The buildings these services operate in continue to be owned by the neighbouring trust until later this year and we have sought assurance from them regarding the estate. They are in the process of commissioning a review similar to the one we conducted on our hospital site. The NHS has been surveying sites and carrying out rack mitigation work since 2019. And the government has pledged to remove the material from the NHS estate. And now another article from the Enfield Dispatch dated 14th of September 2023. Khan denies he plans to introduce pay-per-mile London road charges. Sadiq Khan has again denied that he is planning to introduce a pay-per-mile system for London drivers, saying that he will not happen, saying that will not happen as long as he is mayor. The concept of charging people based on the distance they drive is mentioned in Khan's 2018 transport strategy, in which it is suggested to potentially replace existing schemes like the ultra-low emission zone, ULES. In recent weeks, the mayor has said there are no plans on the table to introduce such a system, but today, Thursday the 14th, he went further, insisting it will not come in during his mayoralty. As long as I am mayor, we're not going to have pay per mile, he told the London Assembly at a mayor's question time session. He had been challenged on the issue by Conservative Assembly member Emma Best, who pointed to Transport for London TfL board meeting papers from March 2022. The papers stated... The mayor has asked TfL to develop proposals for consolidating existing road user charging systems, schemes, into one simple and fair pay-per-mile scheme for introduction by the end of the decade. The mayor told Best, We have been looking at pay-per-mile, as indeed the previous mayor did, as indeed the government is, as indeed do transport authorities around the country. He said this was because politicians and officials are looking at new ways to raise revenues, but that it was not something he had any plans for. Pressed on the fact that he specifically asked TfL to investigate pay per mile, he replied, I often ask TfL to do stuff that I reject. I ask TfL to look into a Greater London boundary charge, which I rejected. I've asked TfL to look into a carbon charge for every time someone drives a car, which I've rejected. TfL have been looking for some time at driverless cars, which is not coming to a road near you anytime soon. 
Best then brought up a November 2022 media briefing at which Khan said he was looking at a Singapore scheme. He described this as a scheme that can treat each driver differently in relation to time you're driving and distance you're driving. After Best said that the description given then sounds very much like pay per mile, Khan clarified that he would not rule out changes to London's existing road user charging systems if they could be simplified. What I'm not saying we won't do is simplify the congestion charge, the ULES and the LES low emission zone, and the tolls into the Silvertown Tunnel, said Khan. If there's a way of simplifying that, so rather than paying potentially four charges, you can do it one way. That's something I'm not averse to, he added. Best said, I'm really surprised you're now rolling back on that. I will say, one of the things about you I've always thought is that you stuck to your principles and you, Les, as you've said, has been a difficult decision and you stuck by it and you've kept going. With this... You've also been quite clear about what you wanted to do, and now we're suddenly rolling back. Khan insisted that there was no contradiction by asking TfL to investigate the concept, but not intending to pursue it himself. TfL advise, I decide, he said. He refused to rule out in future increasing or decreasing the charges attached to London's existing road user charging systems. And now this is from the Enfield Independent. Jobs at risk as Wilco rescue bid collapses. In a blow for Wilco's stores in North London, a last-ditch attempt to save the stricken retailer has failed. Administrators for Wilco had been in discussions with the owner of HMV, Doug Putman, over a deal to buy around 200 of the chain's stores. But Mr. Putman announced on Monday that his investment management firm, Putnam Investments, can no longer continue in the purchase process for Wilco. The lack of a rescue deal would put 12,500 jobs at the retailer at risk, including those at its six stores in North London. Wilco currently has branches at Tottenham Hale Retail Park, Woodgreen Shopping City, Edmonton Greens Shopping Centre, Capital Way in Collingdale, St. George's Shopping Centre, Harrow, and High Road, Wembley. Sky News has reported that Wilco's administrators at PwC are now in talks with Poundland over a potential deal to offload about 100 stores. Other high street chains, including The Range and Home Bargains, have also reportedly signaled their interest over potentially buying the Wilco brand or stores. Wilco has already announced a 13 million deal, 13 million pound deal, to sell 151 shops to B&M, although the rival discounter has not agreed to take on Wilco workers. Southgate NatWest added to growing list of local bank closures. Again, an article from the Dispatch online. Only five personal customers are said to still be using the branch on a regular weekly basis. NatWest is closing its bank branch in Southgate 
after over-the-counter transactions fell by 60% in four years. NatWest is due to close its doors at the Broadway on the 5th of October, with customers being advised to instead use the bank's Palmer's Green branch in Green Lanes after this date. Justifying the closure, NatWest points out that as well as in-person transactions falling by 60% in Southgate, the number of customers using mobile banking has risen by 49% over the same period. Only five personal non-business customers are said to still be using the branch on a regular weekly basis. In a statement to customers, NatWest said, With the ease of mobile and online banking, fewer people are coming into the bank. This means we've had to make some tough choices about which can stay open. So, we want to make sure that we keep the branches people are using the most. We completely understand that online banking isn't right for everyone. Sometimes you want to chat things through with someone. And we promise that you'll still be able to talk to one of our team either on the phone, by video or in one of our other branches. For any customers wanting to know more about how the closure affects them and what alternatives are available, a drop-in session is being hosted at the Southgate branch on Thursday where they can talk to staff. Enfield Southgate MP Bambos Charalambas says that despite the transition to online banking, major banks such as NatWest still have a duty to help people who choose not to or are unable to use it. The MP wrote in his weekly newsletter, Across the UK, the number of bank and building society branches has decreased by over a third since 2012. Locally, we have seen similar trends, with Nationwide, HSBC, Barclays and Santander closing local branches in recent years. While, of course, the way many of us bank has changed over time, I do think we have an important duty to support those who haven't yet moved to online banking. We have to maintain an easy access and free-to-use cash network, as well as face-to-face banking services, as we do not want to see people cut off from full participation in society, unable to access goods and services. I am therefore pleased that the Palmer's Green branch of NatWest will remain open to customers. Views sought on proposed new park between Edmonton and Walthamstow. Local campaign groups are seeking people's views on a proposal to create a new park on the border between Enfield and Waltham Forest boroughs. The proposed Banbury Reservoir Park would encompass the reservoir situated between Edmonton and Walthamstow, as well as some of the surrounding open space which is currently closed off to the public. Environmental groups CPRE London and Enfield Climate Action Forum are promoting the proposal for the park and are now seeking views from residents. A community hub event is due to take place at 4th Street Library in Angel Edmonton on Thursday 28th of September between 10.30am and 4pm. 
Much of the land that would potentially form the park is owned and managed by Thames Water, while Enfield Council, Waltham Forest Council and four private businesses are also landowners within the proposed park's boundary. However, there are precedents for operational reservoirs and their surroundings to be turned into public spaces, with Woodbury Wetlands and Walthamstow Wetlands having opened in 2016 and 2017 respectively. Alice Roberts from CPRE London said, This is one of our 10 new parks for London campaigns. These are all sites where protected green space, often in private ownership, is neglected or derelict. The cycle of decline means it often ends up threatened with development, then lost forever. Often, these sites are in areas like Edmonton, which don't have enough green space. Vicky Pite from NCAF added, Our ambition to see a large country park in Edmonton is a question of fairness, of addressing health and environmental inequalities between the east and west of our borough. Accessible green space must be located where it's most needed to provide facilities for health and well-being and to alleviate the harmful effects of air pollution and extreme temperatures. The survey seeking views on Banbury Reservoir Park has received more than 300 responses so far, with a stall held at Kenninghall Festival in Edmonton last Sunday, 10th of, no- of September. Regarding the upcoming event at Four Street Library, Francis Seeley from NCAF said, Community hubs provide a form of grassroots democracy where people can get together to discuss local issues, discuss issues of local concern through dialogue and not confrontation. It is a process of engagement that can successfully develop community outcomes and produce positive ways to work with statutory authorities. For more information about the Banbury Reservoir Park campaign and to take part in the survey, visit brparkcampaign.org. And here's a happy celebration of our amazing youngsters from the Enfield Independent. Ignite Enfield Youth Achievement Awards have returned. Inspiring young people in Enfield had their achievements celebrated at a special event last week. The annual Ignite Enfield Youth Achievement Awards Ceremony, organized by Enfield Council, highlights the success of young people and their continued commitment to the community in and around Enfield. The Ignite Awards was created by 17 inspiring young leaders aged 14 to 19 to recognize the achievements of young people who live or go to school or college in the borough. The award winners were Inspiring Young Volunteer category, Jessica Botchway. Jessica has been volunteering with Exodus Youth Work UK for over a year. The 17-year-old has been instrumental in developing and running the Healthy Eating and Lifestyle Program. Jessica has dedicated two evenings two evenings a week to the program for more than 12 months while still at sixth form. 360 Degrees Award, Georgia Starling. Georgia was nominated for showing great determination and resilience during a particularly difficult period in her personal life. The 14-year-old was able to improve her school life and her attitude to learning. 
her school attendance was below 60%, and has since increased to above 95%. Sporting Achievement was won by Pavel Markovsky. Pavel is extremely passionate about boxing. The 15-year-old is a great role model to other boxers within the Joe Morris Boxing Club, where he delivers beginner's lessons. Inspiring young performers were Caleb Brown, Kayana Degale, Emmanuel Papula, Michael Harper, Kimor Cartier Harper, and Ruben Fakakunde from Fresh Steps Independent School in Enfield. Fresh Steps Independent School was shortlisted as one of the six schools to take part in the Rudolph Walker Interschool Drama Awards. It is the first time ever a social, emotional, and mental health school has been shortlisted. The six students taking part are all special educational needs children with diversity abilities and special needs and shared their personal stories of being neurodivergent, ADHD, ASD, to an audience of thousands at the Shaw Theatre in London in July. Inspiring Sunshine category was won by Harshi Gutka. Harshi was nominated for the Inspiring Sunshine Award as she attends the SEND Youth Center every week. The 19-year-old is always happy, smiling, and ensures young people are okay and makes new members feel welcome. Why we must protect Enfield's countryside. One of the regular features of the Enfield Dispatch online is a councillor's column. And in the latest column, Conservative councillor Joanne Laban argues against plans to build on the Ridgeway Ward's green belt. Having served on Enfield Council since 2010, I was elected to represent the newly created ward of Ridgeway at the local election in 2022. I am grateful to those who voted for me. In my opinion, Ridgeway Ward is the jewel in Enfield's crown. Containing areas of both town and countryside, it stretches the length of the Ridgeway from the western side of Enfield Town all the way up to the border with Potter's Bar. Unfortunately, its beautiful landscape is under threat from Enfield's Labour administration. The future of Enfield's green belt is in doubt because of the Labour-run Council's draft local plan, which identified Vicarage Farm, located between Hadley Road and Trentwood Side, for large-scale housing development in 2021. That year's consultation on the draft local plan showed there was mass opposition to the proposals to build on Vicarage Farm. However, the Labour Council has ignored the views of residents and refused to drop the proposals. The plans remain very much on the table as things stand. I know that there will be some readers thinking that Vicarage Farm should be built on because of the need for housing. However, I would argue that Meridian Water, Enfield's flagship regeneration programme, has been planned for more than 13 years, 
while only a small area of the overall site has so far commenced construction. Why should our countryside be built on due to failures by successive Labour administrations? What I would like to see is the Council visibly putting as much passion and energy into getting industrial areas declassified for residential development as it does for changing the status of Vicarage Farm. If development happened on the industrial estates, it would bring investment into some of our borough's most deprived areas. These areas would thrive given their excellent rail links into central London. During the pandemic, Vicarage Farm and other areas of the Green Belt were used for people's daily exercise. It highlighted how lucky we are to have open spaces such as Vicarage Farm. Air quality has recently been in the news due to London, the London Mayor's expansion of the ultra-low emission zone, which I oppose. One of the reasons outer London has better air quality than inner London is due to its parks, open spaces and countryside. If we build on the green belt, we would be destroying important environmental infrastructure. All three Ridgeway councillors want to reassure residents that we know how important this issue is for our community. Enfield is a lovely place to live because of its mix of town and countryside. We will continue to oppose any plans to build on Vicarage Farm and the Green Belt. Joanne Laban is one of three councillors representing Ridgeway Ward alongside Edward Smith and Andrew Thorpe, all Conservatives. If you want to get in touch, call 0208 351 1370 or you can email councillor, that's shortened to CL ir dot joanne dot laban at enfield dot gov dot uk North Mid Children's Ward reinvigorated by five point seven million refurbishment. The Children's Ward at North Middlesex University Hospital in Edmonton has undergone a transformation thanks to a multi million pound investment. Following a year-long project costing £5.7 million, North Mid's Rainbow Ward, dedicated to caring for babies, children and young people, has been completely refurbished and restored to allow better use of the space and more tailored care. The new ward has a total of 16 rooms, including four high-dependency rooms, six side rooms with two designated for children and young adults experiencing emotional, behavioural and mental health challenges, and two bedded bays. Each room has an ensuite toilet and shower facilities, a pull-out bed for parents and guardians, and brand new artwork designed and developed with children and young people, each with new distinct themes, including cityscapes, tropics, jungle and space, adding to the ward's child-friendly atmosphere. The ward also now has a number of dedicated rooms built for specific purposes, including a playroom, teenager's room, parent's room and milk storage room. The previous Rainbow Ward had to be reassigned to looking after adult patients during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
but following the refurbishment, it has been reinvigorated. Claire Oliver, ward manager, said, I have worked at North Mid for 27 years and there's no greater feeling than being able to open our new children's ward. It's taken a huge effort from staff across North Mid, from our estates teams, our medical photography team, to our children's services teams, and I want to thank each and every one of them for helping make this development a reality. Central to creating the new Rainbow Ward has been listening to patients and their families and really understanding what would make their experience here better, and I'm glad we have been able to put in place many of the things they have asked for. Leanne, mum of two sets of twin children, who have been accessing the services at North Mid for 11 years, added, The Rainbow Ward has been like a second home to myself and to my children, who suffer from long-term health conditions. Having the ward refurbished in the way it has will be able to offer us a sense of comfort and security, knowing that we are safe and accessible. It really means a lot to us as a family and I'm sure many other families will benefit from this new ward which has been redesigned with us in mind. This is an article about Emergency Services Day from The Independent. Enfield honoured the heroes who worked for the NHS and the emergency services across the UK at a special event on Saturday. The council raised the flag and observed a minute's silence and reflection to mark Emergency Services Day. The Civic Centre was lit up in blue light in the evening. Council leader Nessel Jaliskin said 999 Day promotes the work of emergency services, promotes using the emergency services responsibly, educates the public about basic life-saving skills, and promotes the many career and volunteering opportunities available, of which volunteers are an essential part of the emergency services and play a core role in keeping Britain safe. Our emergency services provide frontline support to all communities. They are the ones who run towards the challenging circumstances. Every day, our emergency services go to work knowing that they could be called on to face things which most of us would never want to confront. Enfield Council would like to extend a thank you to all the amazing emergency services in the UK who continue to work under unprecedented pressure to keep this country safe and moving. And now an article of historical interest. It was an article that appeared in The Independent in 2002, originally. Carving up the land. Edmonton was very different 200 years ago. It was all open fields, until a private Act of Parliament was passed in 1801, which was to change the landscape of the area for good. Edmonton had been an agricultural area since the Norman Conquest, but the new law's purpose was to divide those fields. The land was then to be relocated into compact buildings rather than, sorry, excuse me, compact holdings, rather than in strips scattered over a wide area to achieve more efficient agriculture. The Edmonton enclosure was mirrored in other parts of London and the countryside, with similar acts passed in Chessant in 1799. Enfield in 1803, 
Finchley in 1810 and Hornsey in 1812. At this time, Edmonton began to take on a shape with which we are now more familiar and is evident in early maps from the time. Lower Edmonton was built up around the green, with development north along the Hartford Road and south along 4th Street. In Upper Edmonton, settlement followed a linear pattern with a long, straggling village which strung out along 4th Street from the Tottenham boundary to just north of the Silver Street junction with Water Lane, now called Angel Road. There were more settlements elsewhere in Edmonton, on the border with Enfield lay the remote rural hamlet of Berry Street, on the edge of the Lee Marshes. This part of Edmonton remained stubbornly rural into the 1920s. In the Montague Road of today was a settlement called Marshside, and along Silver Street was a cluster of cottages called Tanner's End. On the western side of the parish was a large settlement at Winchmore Hill, centred on the green, with homes in Hoppers Road, Middle Lane, Winchmore Hill Lane and Wade's Hill. At the time, Palmer's Green was a tiny hamlet at the junction of Green Lanes and Fox Lane, which contained no more than a handful of cottages and a pub. South of that was the tiny settlement of Bowes, which was situated at the junction of Green Lanes and Bowes Road. Southgate consisted of a cluster of houses and a pub at the Green, along with the other dwellings in High Street and Chaseside. New Southgate had no significant population and was then known as Colney Hatch or Bedstyle. Views of disabled and deaf people sought for future council-led projects. Deaf and disabled people who live, work or study in Enfield are being invited to apply to join a local focus group and help ensure their views are heard on council-led public realm projects. Enfield, Enfield Council's New Journeys and Places Disability Reference Group has been set up to ensure the views of deaf and disabled people are heard throughout the design phases on projects such as parklets, public space improvements, school streets, walking routes, town centre improvements and more. The council would like particularly to hear from people who have physical, sensory, intellectual or mental health impairments and are interested in sharing their personal experiences and views to help build an understanding of the needs of deaf and disabled people in Enfield. Rick Jewell, Cabinet Member for Environment, said... I am pleased the council is forming this group as it will help us to build an understanding of the needs of deaf and disabled people in relation to transportation and our public spaces in Enfield. I would encourage deaf or disabled people of all ages and backgrounds to apply for a place on the reference group so we can hear as wide a range of views as possible. Any personal experiences and views that people are willing to share will help build an understanding across the Council's Journeys and Places team of the needs of deaf and disabled people in relation to access, public spaces, road safety, walking, cycling, using public transport and getting around the borough in other ways. 
Applications are also welcome from personal assistance of deaf and disabled people in Enfield. Staff at Enfield Town and Edmonton Green Libraries are also available to help interested people to make an application. Applicants can drop in at any time between 9.30am and 2.30pm from Monday to Friday. The closing date for applications is 5pm on Sunday 24th September 2023. For further information and to apply, call 0208-132-2504, email journeysandplaces at enfield.gov.uk or visit letstalk.enfield.gov.uk forward slash DRG. We have reached the end of our program for this week. Thank you for listening. So for the, from the team of Jean, Alison, and Mel, and them. on the controls, it's goodbye. goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label on your postal packet. Put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favorite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying, Play Podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspapers on 07899-854-582. That's 07899-854-582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.